0: Welcome back, everybody, to part three of Plan of Attack, presented by The Rogue Podcast. And I'm joined for the third time out of this four-part series with Corey Montalvo, CEO of Yebo Media.
1: What's good, Jonathan? Thank you for having me back. Hello, everybody. Uh, Last episode, we covered the topic of tenacity uh, and being true to your situation. This time, we have audacity. Uh, I think tenacity and audacity can be confused. So why audacity and how do you feel, Jonathan, that's different from tenacity?
0: I feel audacity is the next step after tenacity. So tenacity is like setting down that foundation after after you have realized who you are. You're setting down that foundation about the things that you want slash need. And then audacity is having the courage to actually take those risks.
1: Mm. You spoke a little bit about risk-taking in the first episode. Um, with risk, there's a little bit of fear. How can uh, audaciousness help mitigate that fear or help you overcome that fear?
0: There's one question I always like to ask myself, which is, what What do I have to lose? And when you ask yourself what you have to lose, I've found that I've all, I'm always naming things that are physical, if that makes sense. Like, oh, well, I, I mean, I'll lose my, I don't know, my, my computer or I'll lose my ex, you know, or i lose my phone or something like, or I'll lose my conf- confidence. Sometimes I'll say like internal things as well. Like I'll lose my confidence or things like that. But then I say, let's say it works out. What do I gain? And then uh, um, always the the gains are greater than the losses. And I know that I can always rebuild those things slash those things that I feel like I'm losing. I'm not actually losing. It's more so a perception that I'm losing my confidence or that I'm losing my, um, the way I look to other people. Things that don't actually matter.
1: So the, this, what you just said reminds me of a Jay-Z quote. Uh, he said, I live in a why not me mindset, like why not me? I could be the one who does all that stuff I see uh, to create these new things. And that's what I kind of get from your vibe right now is is why not me? You know, and what happens if I do accomplish it? What world can exist for me then? But that doesn't that doesn't take away the fact that, you know, being an entrepreneur, especially as a young person trying to launch your own ideas. uh." is intimidating. It's very scary. And so I just, I want to know, like, what? I hear you, uh, you know, saying why not, but what, what really got you to that first stepping stone to, to be like, I'm going to go do this. I know, I know my goals. I know where I want to be, but I don't care. I don't care about the risk I'm going to go do this because I think a lot of people can hear this and be like, okay, I have some ideas, but, uh, I'm not you homie. I
0: think it's one word security and security is such a metaphor for so many things, because for example, when you're insecure, that'll show up in multiple ways. Maybe it's you having to show off everything that you are or everything that you have or maybe it's being too timid but when you realize that by being audacious and taking risks you're losing security oftentimes i felt like security is actually a barrier or almost like a safety mechanism within us saying let's you know let's play it safe let's take the the route that's already been taken but there's so something so pure about not having security and going off track and being a trailblazer.
1: I know a bunch of people who needed to hear that because there are a lot of budding entrepreneurs out here who have full-time jobs, who have the security of a paycheck, particularly in times of COVID, right? Uh, And I'm thinking folks in education, they know the system's not working. Uh, They have these ideas and they're like, I can't take the risk of not having a paycheck, of not having this idea be solid. Is there a time as you were pursuing your goals last year, you, you didn't feel solid and you didn't feel sure and you acknowledged that your security was not there and you had questions of whether or not you were going to be successful?
0: There's one conversation that comes to mind immediately and I actually wrote about it. It was when my mom confronted me, I, I would say um, lovingly, confront lovingly confronted me about choosing rogue or choosing college essentially. And that was probably one of the times I felt most insecure in who I was. Like I didn't know who I was like, how did I get here? Like I thought, I thought it was a, I thought it was a CEO of rogue. I thought it was something. I thought, (laughs) I thought I was doing this thing. Right. I thought I knew who I was, but then out of that, I had, to make a, I had to make the hard decision to say, you know, I'm going to stick to what I initially said my goal was because that's what I'm passionate about. And then I'm going to pursue that.
1: And a lot of... So you, you identify as a young Black man. I think a lot of security is wrapped up in that as well. As for, for BIPOC folks who are trying to take risk in this society, it's extra risky. And so I'm wondering... It, As a young black man, did you ever reflect on how race plays into the risk that you're taking or how race plays into your audaciousness?
0: There was a time when I was, I would say 12, maybe 12 or 13, where I remember specifically waking up in my bed, Saturday morning, Saturdays are great. And I just remember looking, the first thing I looked at was my arm and I saw that my skin was black, and I literally realized everything that that entailed. Almost like the growing up moment, or like that part of the origin story where the superhero realizes he has powers or something like that. Like I just had that moment randomly. And from that point on, I've almost not really considered my blackness. I've kind of thrown it out the window, not because I don't value it or think it's important or identify with it, but I feel like focusing on it too much can actually be a hindrance and you can overthink situations a lot of the times. That doesn't mean don't be aware and all that comes with being black, but don't overthink your ideas in the context of blackness all the time.
1: It's kind I of, don't, I don't know if Obama said this, but someone did. I heard it. Uh, be rooted in your blackness, but don't be confined by it. Right. And that's what I hear from you. And that's a that's a level of audaciousness that I think is really hard for me as a black Latino man is so much of my identity is framed around uh, race. And sometimes I feel like, oh, um, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be doing the black thing. Right. Uh, But what is that thing? And how does that play with my goals and how, how I how I move through life? And so I'm hearing from you, and what I see in a lot of young people, they're like, you know what? Yes, I'm black, I'm Latino, or whatever, but I'm also this human that's going to do what I do. And I love that. And so I'm curious are there other folks around you um, that have that level of audacity in terms of their, their identity perspective?
0: I don't think I've necessarily met one within two years, a year within my age range. So either like 17 or 15, I haven't met someone like that. I don't think so far. Well, actually that's not true. Yes, I have, I have. But I I would say the people that I'm like closest with are much older, five, three, five years. And those are the people that I see really already have this mindset developed.
1: So moving into the things that you were at, audacious about. I think you touched on some of them. Uh, what, what were a couple of things that you feel like you really stepped up and said, not only do I envision this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the bull by his horn, so to speak, and we're going to roll?
0: I would say the first one and probably most important that I developed over 2020 was the audacity to set boundaries around time. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was like, "Yo, we should link up sometime." You know, I'll, I'll see what my schedule's like. And I kind of felt like she got offended because she was like, "I gotta fit into your schedule." And I wasn't trying to sound <laughs> important. I wasn't trying to sound important, but I realized that time is literally the most valuable resource—more than money, more than connection. It time can not do anything without it. So set like the audacity to set boundaries, and then and as for. You, you don't think you have to be audacious to, you know, audacity is always taking risks and doing things that are outward, but odd, being on, confront yourself, the, the audacity to confront oneself and say, what do I need? Whew.
1: A lot of, a lot of people spend good money to, to get to that point, right? Particularly time. And my executive coach has always challenged me. Like you're a CEO, you know, your time is extremely valuable. You need to set those boundaries. And as a as a man in my mid-30s, I still struggle with that, you know, and the audacity to say no. As my board chair says, no is a is a full sentence. N-O, period. Uh, which I think is very powerful. And and did you find yourself saying no to a lot of things last year?
0: Absolutely. And I think honestly, it's it's a skill that many people have underdeveloped because there's, there's one point where you're like, I wish I had more opportunities, but then once you start living those out and getting into the circles and things like that, you're going to have so many, you can't even count and you have to be comfortable with saying this doesn't line up with my goals. This doesn't line up with my vision, or I just don't have as we'll get to the capacity to handle it.
1: I heard you uh, grappling with some of the things that, you know, throughout this series, you, you've been grappling with a lot of the things that have acted as roadblocks or challenges for you, and in, in, in specifically to audacity, you know, to, to trying to create that path for yourself and step on that path to reach your goals. What are some of the fears that have acted as roadblocks on that process, and what are some of the things that have held you up um, or that you feel have contributed to failures?
0: I would probably say the fear of rejection or, and getting deeper into rejection, the feeling of desperation. Cause that's like the worst, that's like the worst place to be. To feel like you have to beg somebody or, or beg for your situation to change and you're powerless in that situation. So definitely that, that fear. And I think the way I overcame it. And I'm just, well, I'll just say beginning to overcome it is something that one of my friends told me about not giving or trying to reach out and be tenacious out of an empty, out of a half full or empty cup, but giving out of overflow. So give out of overflow after you've already been filled and you already know self-worth and who you are and authenticity and then the foundation of tenacity. Give out of the overflow of that. Love out of the overflow of that. Don't try to love when you have a half empty cup. (laughs)
1: This is, this is deep because, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of metaphors I can use, you know, uh, can't, you can't save someone from drowning if you're drowning yourself. Um, you know, if you're, if you're thirsty and parched, what good is giving someone else water? That, that's deep. A lot of people don't want to collapse in because they feel selfish. And they feel like, particularly in a world full of all these needs, um, that they can't, they can't do that introspection and they can't pour into themselves. But I hear you saying that's one thing you had to learn is I got to be full before I can get you what you need. How, how do you get comfortable with that? Because people, I, I, I talk with a lot of folks and people want to give. You know it's not a bad thing but you're you're saying the opposite you're saying focus on yourself first.
0: So just like how do I how did I become comfortable?
1: Yeah, how did that become part of your your mentality?
0: I think by looking at people who I thought were great in history and questioning how how were they able to do that if they were empty? I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like for example, I always think how was Jesus such an amazing person? Like he couldn't have been an amazing person if he was just an empty human being not able to give to others, right? Same thing with Mandela, just got done with his autobiography. There was, before he became president and we even went to prison, there was years of just learning law and seeing and experiencing poverty himself and then rising above that before he could give back to South Africa as a whole. And my immediate... Thought about it was like I've never met these people personally, but what we do have is their words, and it's crazy how your words, how words kind of paint a picture of someone's character or even their face, and that's kind of what goes before them. But their words show what's in their heart.
1: <laughs> you preaching, man. Uh, the the notion of as I reflect, looking at all of these historical figures, and even when I think about folks in my family who have made such a huge impact on others, they, they may not have been necessarily solid within themselves, but they definitely were full, right? And this image of overflowing, like now I have enough to give to you. Uh, how, do you how do you create the space to ensure I'm just talking personally to you. How do you create the space um, to ensure that you're full? That's powerful.
0: I think for me, the most important thing is just like being spiritually full, first and foremost, like in- internal and prioritizing that above ex- external, because even we talked about previously, like surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and things like that. They can't, they're not inside your head. They can't give you what what you will always need internally, whether that's like friendship, relationship, whatever, they're not going to be able to see inside you because sometimes you're going to have a hard time being honest about what's inside, but you always know deep down what you really need. So I would say create creating a space or even a protected time every day or once a week or whatever works for your schedule of protected time for self-reflection.
1: Please do. Please do. All right. You know, there's, there's, as we've articulated and made a point, there's risk involved with being audacious. So I'm just curious to hear what you felt like. Uh, you talked about um, uh, rejection as being something, but what do you? Did you feel like you had something to lose going into these endeavors from last year?
0: I think my self image was probably the biggest thing to lose because right now. I have the security of living with parents who pay all the bills and all that good stuff. Um, But I would say probably the self-image. Like one of my biggest risks outside of the podcast was actually getting into writing. Something I never thought I would like hated in public school was just kind of beginning to enjoy in homeschool, but still didn't even have a passion for it yet. And I was like, you know, I have a lot to say. And sometimes it's not always, podcasting isn't always the best format for it. Let me try something else. And just see, and, and also having the goal of creating other revenue streams. So how can I monetize my trying of this new thing simultaneously? So even if I fail, I make a, I make a few bucks, almost like setting set, making your failures still benefit you, even if it's not accomplishing your goal.
1: (laughs) Do the Jedi mind trick. (laughs) But that's what failure is. Right. And I think being audacious, you'll learn that you, you will have done things that you didn't think you can do. And although you may have hit a wall or didn't reach the the level you uh, intended to, there's learnings in that. And I think that's part of our organization at Yebo is reflecting on the learnings where we don't actually know much, but we can try. And the more we sit around and talk about it, the less we do, and the less we understand. And so you got to be righteous and just going out there and doing something um, that that prescribes to your vision, as we end this part of our series. What do you want to say to our audience in terms of this concept of being audacious? What advice do you have for them? You talked about um, being ruthless with your time setting side setting space aside. Uh, to reflect and to tap into your spirituality. Is there anything else you would like to leave them with?
0: One thing that I do pretty often is sometimes I'll just stop what I'm doing and literally put my hand over my heart to remind myself that like my heart is still beating. Like I'm still alive. I'm still breathing, which means I'm, I still have a purpose to complete even if you don't believe in some divine being or something like that, just saying like, I'm still here. And even if it's just about me taking initiative over the life that I have still to live.
1: So if that doesn't get you out of your seat and get you walking towards your goals, I don't know what will put that hand over your heart. Thank you for being with us for part three. Tune in next time for the final part of our four part series. Thank you, Jonathan.
0: Thank you, Corey.